welcome back to Now Screaming. I'm Liz Smart. And I'm Evan Culbertson. And we're watching horror movies. And we'd like to tell you about them. Oh, so low. Sorry. And we'd like to tell you about them. It's October. It's spooky time. We're blowing the timbre of our voices. It's October. It's spooky time. It's spooky time. It's our time. This is when we come alive. In this episode, we're going to talk about a few horror films that we've recently watched, uh, as well as the first part of our coverage of Salem Horror Fest. Don't worry, we'll get into all of that. Mm-hmm. We would up front say that two new horror films became available this past weekend. 12-Hour Shift, directed by Bria Grant, and Possessor, or Possessor Uncut, directed <laughs> by Brandon Cronenberg, son of David Cronenberg. Of the Cronenbergs. They just came out. We've seen both of them. Mm-hmm. And we like to talk about them. However, in these, especially these shorter things where we're recommending things and just talking about what we've watched, we tend to keep it pretty spoiler free. We would like to have a little bit more in depth, probably not full episode length like a roulette film, but a little bit more in depth conversations about these. And so we're letting you know that we're going to talk about these later this month. We recommend them. Yeah, so if you want to be unspoiled, you should go see them. We recommend these movies, so you should go watch them. You should, yeah. They're really great. And then join us for another Recent Screams, you know, episode later this month where we talk about them. Uh, Possessor is in theaters now, so if you have a way to go see that safely in a drive-in or if you live in a remote location where it's not... You can rent out the whole theater. Coronavirus isn't as much of an issue for you. You can go see Possessor now in a theater, which I'm very jealous of because it's a cool movie to see in a theater, I would bet. Yeah. 12-Hour Shift is already on VOD and digital. Possessor comes to digital and VOD on November 6th. Just what we need the week of the election. (laughs) More horror. More horror. It's a great movie, though. Highly recommend. But that's what we're talking about in this episode. No, this episode is really for mostly for our Salem horror coverage. Where we're it's festival season. It is. We I'm just did it. Fantasia Fest. Uh, in the non horror world, TIFF just happened. New York Film Festival is ongoing. Current, yeah. AFI Fest just announced its lineup. And we're in it. We're for, we're participating. Right in the middle of it. Yeah, I love it. Before we get into Salem Horror Fest. There was a short film that we were able to see that is going to be streaming yes. as part of the Nightstream Festival from October 8th to 11th, so next week. It's called The Howling Wind. It was directed by Lorian Gish and Justin Knopfel, and it's just a it's a short 15-minute film, mm-hmm. and we both thought it was really, really good. Oh, it was excellent. Um, very spooky, very atmospheric. Those are like my favorite words to discuss a lot of <laughs> the shorts we've talked about, um, but it really is uh, just Real, real quick plot synop. Um, it's called The Howling Wind. It's about a howling wind. It's but it's like a post-apocalyptic a little, well, like yeah, wind. post-apocalyptic kind of world in which this wind. But it, but it's post-apocalyptic. But I, I believe it takes place in 1963. So it's got kind of that dual feeling of the past and the future, kind of all combined in one. And listeners know we love an out of time horror film. Oh, I Anything love that really messes it. with you about like when when is this happening? Yeah. Also seems to take place sometime in the past. It's very interesting. Um, and th- there's there's a lot of fear c- concerning this wind and what it can do. Um, suspicion, paranoia, your typical kind of like... Actually, a l- very similar to a lot of things that are going on these days uh, with a different thing. But um, that, w- that was kind of fun that way. Yeah, I think that, uh, again, I don't really want to spoil it uh, outside of the premise. Um, I think what really made this stand out for me is excellent, excellent black and white photography. Oh, gorgeous. Lots of close-ups that I think work really well. And the sound design, too. The sound wind design, outside. The, the wind is horrifying. The performances are pretty good. Yeah, it's about it's about two people in a cabin hunkering down, basically. Again, I don't want to give away more than that, but it's about really two people having a conversation. 
maybe losing their minds a little bit, mm-hmm. locked inside. Classic. Uh, themes we've seen before, but that we know and love. And the, the main thing I did want to say about it is that this... Really, for me, I just wanted more of it. This has such the potential to be expanded into the, a feature. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even have to be a feature about these characters in The Howling Wind. It it can be... like this could, this could is... But this universe is so fascinating. Yeah, right? and this yeah. short film, I think, establishes tone and a universe really well. That it makes you want to see more of you know this filmmaking and this storytelling. This premise, yeah. And this vibe like it, it it nails the vibe it's going Completely. for and it really like made me want more want a feature of this yeah so Lorraine Gishin and Justin Apple filmmakers to watch absolutely <laughs> absolutely moving forward so Salem Horror Fest is a every other year a film festival that takes place in Salem Massachusetts who have really embraced their history to to become a uh, beacon or mecca of horror fandom mm-hmm. Love uh, that. this year like all the other festivals we're talking about like fantasia fest they are going online and which we love <laughs> we're thrilled by it because <laughs> yeah. it gives us the opportunity to do these things without traveling um i know friends of the podcast uh let the right films in went to salem horror fest i believe last year uh which actually was where i heard of it was was from them oh, actually cool. traveling there to, to to go see films there the really cool thing about Salem Horror Fest is that in addition to premiering films, which is really what we're going to talk about here, they also have like podcasts that participate as well as um, like panels. Uh, there's a couple reunions. They're, they're doing a big thing around Joe Dante this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like a Gremlins 2 reunion and a The Howling reunion. And I think it's 30 or 40 years of it. It's an, it's an it uh, anniversary. Anniversary? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just doing a bunch of cool stuff. Um and you can take part in it. You can purchase tickets for, you know, this past weekend was the first weekend and this upcoming weekend is another one. Um, and you get access to a ton of stuff if that's something you're interested in. If, you know, that's either outside your budget or not necessarily something you're ready to commit to. Uh, all these films will be available at some point somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So again, we're going to be spoiler free uh, so as just to whet your appetite, but not necessarily uh, give you too much. Yeah. We'll just flash so the just ankle. Just a little taste. Yeah. Flash some ankle. <laughs> Ironically, the first film we're going to talk about, lots of ankle flashing in that one. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a film called A Nightmare Wakes, directed by Nora Uncle. It is about the fateful, dark and stormy night or weekend or extended period of time. Summer. In which uh, Mary Shelley, Percy Bysshe Shelley, Claire Claremont, Lord Byron, and John Polidori, who apparently wrote the first modern vampire story, which is part of the plot of this film, oh, okay. but apparently that's like historically true, yeah. uh, came together and tried to outstory tell each other. Yeah, a little contest. That produced Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, mm-hmm. the first science yeah, fiction novel. Yeah, widely considered the first uh, science fiction novel written by a woman. Absolutely. How about that? So, this is uh, a specific, like, event that has been passed down through lore, and it's already been done in film before. Ken Russell's Gothic is about this. Uh, that is super my shit. I yeah. love the, like, origins of... Both origins of films is really, like, obviously kind of my purview, but also, mm-hmm. like, these, like, the lore behind these stories, especially something like Frankenstein, yes. that looms so large in our culture. And especially in film. Obviously in literature, but very much in film as well. Absolutely. And I think that this does a pretty good job with it. It's a horror-tinged drama for the most part. Mm-hmm. I would not say it's a straight-up horror film. No. Um, and it, it very much deals not only with just the writing of Frankenstein, but also with uh, her kind of interpersonal relationships yeah. with Percy Shelley and her sister and her child. 
Um, and there's a lot of themes of childbirth, both kind of actual physical real childbirth and also the childbirth of storytelling. Um, that's very fascinating. So a lot, a lot of sex, there. a lot of birth, yeah. a lot of nightmares. <laughs> Ink, blood, all of it. <laughs> yeah, I think what worked best for this film for me was the confusion between reality and fantasy that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really made me wish that I was seeing it in the theater instead of watching it on a television, on a couch. I agree. Uh, because I feel like I could be really immersed in this in a theater because the there's so much impressionistic imagery yes. that I think works really, really well, but would work really, really well on a huge yes. screen. Excuse my favorite word, atmospheric. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if this were to come out in a world where we could go to the movie theater again, this is definitely one to see in a theater because I think that's going to enhance your experience. Mm-hmm. But I really, liked, I really liked the imagery of this one. Yeah, Solid film. Totally. I do also want to take a brief... Very oh, brief God. moment to talk about your new obsession. Kenneth Branagh's 1994 film, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which people don't like. The world, not terribly fond of this film. It got bad reviews when it came out. It made its money back. But even now, it has not gotten the pop cultural or horror aficionado reappraisal that something like Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula with Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves oh, yeah, has in Gary Oldman. Yeah. yeah, like that also was seen as kind of overwrought and silly at the time, but now people are like, damn, this is metal as hell. Yeah, because now we know how to have fun, apparently. Well... But maybe not. Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein <laughs> is still poorly regarded according to the Googling I did, the Twitter searching to see if people are talking about it for October. Um, Y'all, this movie is very, very good. Like, it takes... <laughs> It takes all the best parts of an overwrought costume drama that you would expect of Kenneth Branagh, the, the Shakespearean things that he tends to direct, and like just 90s costume dramas, which was like such a huge boom, the Merchant Ivory boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and also was a fucking horror movie with Robert De Niro, like rips hearts out and uh, says things like, I will meet you there upon the sea of ice. Like it's a really supposedly, like, literarily accurate version of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, like an adaptation of the gothic novel, Mm -hmm. rather than the Universal Monsters version of Frankenstein. And so I think that maybe that turns people off, that it's less in-your-face scares, and and more like a gothic novel, which, if you've read 19th century fiction, is uh, pretty flowery and has a lot of plot about people sailing and also the letters (laughs) that they write. You know, like, like, it's just... Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. I think that this... I really encourage everyone... It's on Amazon Prime right now. If you have never seen this, or if you've seen it in the past and didn't like it... I mean, also talk to me why you didn't like it. I want to know, because it's so overwrought and ridiculous. Kenneth Branagh's running around... You just used two words that where people might not like it. Overwrought and ridiculous? Overwrought and ridiculous. <laughs> it's so good, though. Kenneth Branagh's running around with his shirt off. There's so many great visual moments in it, like, that are going to stick in my memory of just great, great filmmaking, shot composition. It's very stagey at times that I think really, really works. Like, I'm not praising this as like, oh, this is like a piece of trash and I love it because it's silly. I think You actually really like it. I think it's a great film. Like, a sincerely great film. And I feel crazy because no one else thinks this. I, I would love to... I, I actually feel like I should watch it just to give you a sense of like you know, maybe another perspective. Yeah, I think that, like... But I also love to have fun, so who knows? It's very fun, and I think that if you tune out costume dramas, as I have been guilty of in the past, you might not real. It might sneak up on you, but I think it's, like, really good if you could just, like, give yourself over to, like, people yelling with their shirts off. Like, who doesn't want that? (laughs) I have no idea. Sounds great to me. All right. Anyway, let's move on. Moving on back to Salem (laughs) Horror. I don't think Kenneth Branagh needs your, you to defend him, but I'm sure he's really thankful wherever he is. I don't think he needs anything from me. <laughs> yeah. 
next movie we're talking about is called Occupants and is directed by Russ Emanuel. It was supposedly first uh, released in some form in 2015 and is now listed as a premiere under Salem Horror Fest. I could not really dig up what happened here. Um, in terms of why it's a premiere, but it has definitely been released In terms of what happened that it's been on the shelf this long. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, well, having seen it, it makes a little bit of sense. But I don't really... I don't know how it existed, what in what form it existed before now. Yeah. Would you like to do a plot synopsis of this one? I just talked yeah. a lot about Frankenstein. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, it's 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 also not really a horror movie kind of in theme. We, we, we watched, the first two movies we watched were, you know, not really horror movies. And this is a found footage um, film uh, about a couple who are going to go totally natural in their diet raw vegan raw vegan um so they put up cameras in their house i'm saying this out loud doesn't really make sense why do you need cameras all over your house if you're like she's a documentarian she's a documentarian but what does she document it's whatever it's fine um they're putting up cameras in their house to document this raw vegan diet they're going on she mentions that she wants to know how she feels but she also mentions possibly that people who go raw vegan have said that they develop extrasensory yeah, like powers yeah. like n- nothing specific just like maybe you can sort of your third eye opens whatever that might mean um and we can see as the audience that what starts happening is that the cameras start picking up signs of an alternate universe and i think some parts of this work i think the premise is not bad again it's not really horror i think the performances in this are fairly weak yeah, and I think it's it's brought down by its production value. Yeah. You know, the way But ways... that's not always we've talked about it. That's not always a you know, doesn't always kill the movie. We just talked about their watching, right? Which does a yeah. ton with a pretty low budget. But we did talk about how the performances in that movie really heighten it for yeah. us. Like it it brings a natural element to this. You don't have to have a high budget film if your performances are really natural because then it just comes across like people with bad cameras. That's a normal thing, right? That's a normal thing that people do. Yeah. This is pretty kitschy and um yeah i had really high hopes for it too because i love found footage and i love things like this like let's set up a bunch of cameras i mean i reference it constantly but we watched the den on this podcast Uh which was kind of a sleeper hit we didn't know anything about it and it was very much about like you know putting up cameras in your house and what sort of things can happen because of that and this just didn't do enough with that premise and i actually think um one of the performances was really good the boyfriend uh was really excellent um, but it just doesn't really ever live up to what I was, what I wanted for it. And that was kind of a disappointment. So. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I don't want to mislead our listeners and I would not recommend this film. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's really worth your time, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I hope, I mean, honestly, I hope that like these filmmakers kind of take this premise and continue, like move on with it and do something else with it. Mm-hmm. Cause it has, it has potential, but it just didn't really work with this movie. Yeah. And again, because it's in this weird limbo, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I don't really know. Yeah. It's hard to figure out what's going on with this film. The next we're going to talk about is a documentary that is less than an hour long uh, called The Witches of Hollywood, directed by Sophie Perard. It's pretty good. Yeah. If you like, like, the history of uh, movies and the history of horror themes in movies this is not a bad way to spend an hour no it is fun i mean like if you like witches also it's i mean it's completely centered around witches it tries to kind of start at the beginning of hollywood and kind of move through all of the various witches that we've seen in movies um 
It's really fun. I think what I've seen some people say, and I completely agree, is that they wish it was longer. And I wish it was longer not because it's, like, perfect as it is or, like, even that great as it is, but it's very surface level. Mm -hmm. And I really do wish that the filmmakers would flesh it out because I think that everything that they talk about is very, like, easy feminism. It's all very much, like women have always had to do this and this and this. It's very white feminism, um, which is fair because Hollywood is extremely white. So, like, if you're talking about witches in film, that's, a you know, it's going to be a dominant part of it. But it, it just felt very, like, saying women are this way when obviously there are hundreds of ways that women are represented in movies and hundreds of, hundreds of ways witches are represented. And it just felt like there was much more to say. And so I think that the, to this movie's credit, I wanted more of it because there's, again, so much potential there. But uh, it's if you are thinking of going into it to learn something, you won't necessarily learn anything. I would agree. I'd say that uh, if you're a listener of this podcast, you already are probably informed enough and interested enough to pretty much know what it's going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again isn't a bad thing it's not a bad way to spend an hour if no. you want to live in this world I actually think that they have a segment on from like I married a witch to like bewitched that I thought was pretty interesting I that was the like, most interesting to me as really well because that was what I knew the, le- the least about yeah but my primary frustration with this is that I feel like like you said it's so surface level and frankly this isn't really the fault of the filmmakers because I think the way that it's cut together it uses a lot of footage from films and television uh, intercut with the talking heads but um a couple of the participants in this documentary who who narrate it, I think, are pretty off base in their analysis. I agree. Uh, not just that it's surface level, but uh, there there are factual inaccuracies in the things that they say, and there are, in particular, towards the end, it talks about Harry Potter, and I think that its analysis of Harry Potter, I'm singling this out because it's something I think that everyone listening is going to be familiar with. Yeah. But I think that it's a very surface level analysis, and it doesn't actually engage with the witch in Hollywood as seen through Harry Potter at all. Agreed. It just talks about Hermione. And it doesn't talk about the world that's been created. It doesn't talk about what being a witch is for people growing up in the Harry Potter generation. Or any of the other witches in Harry Potter, of which there are so many. Yeah, it just... it, it This is just an example of the documentary that I think was emblematic, is that I feel like it doesn't really have anything particularly insightful or enlightening to say. And I agree. I, I liked the thing that it's doing but I don't think that it did the best job of it. No. And again, I want more because I want more. I want more in-depth dives and... I want an eight-hour Netflix series, right? Looking at the history of witches in in Hollywood, right? (laughs) Yes, completely. That's what this topic deserves, not 55 minutes of, unfortunately, a couple, I think, somewhat poorly sourced talking heads. Yeah, they're a little turfy. (laughs) A little turfy. A little turfy. Like, a little just like... Because, I mean... there's a delicacy in which we have to talk about women all the time. And yeah. I think that nowadays I'm really sensitive to people talking about women um, in a way that feels... Turfy. Uh, yeah. Bi- bi- binaristic and bio... Yeah, exactly. Like, I just don't... I, I can't vibe. I can't vibe with it. I need, I need more. I need more in-depth understanding of all the various ways that there is to be a woman. And again, I, I said it before, like, it's very white feminist. There are, there are some, not all the talking cats are white to, the, to its credit slightly, but like they're either white or black and there's no, you know, discussion of. And frankly, it doesn't do anything interesting with the black witches that it does talk about and does champion, right? It's not an analysis of race or like what the blackness of these characters 
at all brings to it. It's just, no. in the 90s, there were black witches. And, and it's really it just on. empty girl power, kind of just like, yeah. yay. But there's nothing wrong with representation at base level being what it is. That's great. But again, just no, no real analysis. Very yeah. surface level. Something I did vibe with was our next film, which is called <laughs> The Last Thanksgiving, directed by Eric Lornick. And this is a low-budget, again, slasher movie centered around Thanksgiving, and it's about a cannibal family that uses Thanksgiving as their opportunity to abduct and eat people. Yeah, and it's a blast. It is a blast. It is a cheesy, (laughs) silly, gory, very gory slasher movie uh, that knows exactly what it is Mm -hmm. and is for other people who just want to watch a silly... Yeah. gory slasher movie about Thanksgiving. And it's so funny because we were just talking about occupants, right? And how like low budget bat performances can often just be a killer. This is low budget and most of the performances are pretty bad, but it was so much fun. And yeah. I think there were actually some really inspired directing choices, mm. like where you could see through what was going on, the lack of budget, the lack of, like, you know, the lack of, you know, real performances into the vision. And I think the yes. vision was so present and so much fun. I loved it. Thanksgiving horror is just hilarious. It was so great. Yeah, there's a um I agree with the directorial choices. I think that this is the kind of movie that I don't want to talk about the plot of at all because when this gets inevitably put on a streaming service somewhere, mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing that you want to watch around Halloween because it just has like spooky season vibes. It's so vibey. it's just a fun yeah. thing to put on and watch and be like, yeah. This is just, this is the energy I'm looking for. Yep. The score is incredible. It's like very John Carpenter. Like it sounds like the original Halloween score. It feels mm-hmm. like it's paying homage to it. Um, there is a, one of the killers is dressed in a pilgrim outfit. Yeah. And silently stalks around like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. Yeah. He has like kind of one of those kind of politician-y looking masks with like a big smile and yeah. plastic. It's it's so fun. It's a very fun movie. I highly, Linnea Quigley is in it from Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, I would highly recommend this whenever it's available. Uh, again, if you're like us and just want to ravenously consume loving horror movies made by people who love horror movies. Yes, that and is I very much absolutely what this, what this feels like. I love it. It's so funny. The Gravy Pit. The Gravy Pit is very good. Uh, just a little teaser for you. Just whatever, whatever you think The Gravy Pit could mean. So that's it for our, our first part of our coverage of Salem Horror Fest. We're yep. going to keep watching movies from the festival and hope to come back and talk to you about some more. Uh, but we also want to give you a preview of what we're going to be doing throughout the spookiest of all months. Mm-hmm, the best month of all. So next week, as we rolled on the roulette, we're going to be talking about Trey Edward Schultz's Krisha. Instead of doing a roulette film after that, we're going to do something we rolled on the roulette, I don't know, three months ago, which is Freddy versus Jason. We did roll it on the roulette, and we passed over it because we knew that we wanted to do it in October uh, with our friend James Koski, who yes. you friends of the podcast will know and recognize. Yes. So Freddy vs. Jason, I'm not sure what streaming services it is currently on. It was obviously on something. I think it was on Netflix. Or Amazon Prime. Or Amazon when we rolled it over the summer. Shot Factory just released a huge box set that I am, is out for delivery. I'm waiting for. Uh, <laughs> and so... It's coming. It's almost here. The two of us are going to binge all of the Friday the 13th movies in advance of watching Freddy vs. Jason and talking about it with James. So if that's something that you want to do, it's a fun, it's a fun trip. Again, it's, it's like last Thanksgiving. It's just a thing to like watch some slasher movies that yeah. are not necessarily the greatest filmmaking Feel or the greatest acting. vibes. I just get some spooky vibes. Those spooky horror vibes. We also wanted to mention that if you don't already follow us on Letterboxd, I'm Tacky on Evan. I'm Mirror underscore Bright. 
And we are doing Hooptober, which is something that Cinemonster on Letterboxd uh, cooked up seven years ago, whenever Letterboxd was founded. Mm -hmm. And it is a set of rules in which you watch a certain... You watch 31 horror movies from September 15th to October 31st that fit a certain number of criteria. And we are going to be posting about that on Letterboxd because one of the criteria is that you have to review every movie that you watch for Hooptober. Mm -hmm. So if you want to follow along with us and maybe even do Hooptober yourself, it's early in October, so you still have time to watch 31 horror movies. Uh, Some of the criteria are kind of challenging, but it's fun to stretch yourself a little bit. Yeah. This year there's a lot of... There's a lot of sequels, mm-hmm. um, some plague movies, some gory movies. Yeah, six they're... different decades. Yeah, you know? so there's just there's it's it's a lot and it's fun. But you can check out a lot of a lot of people's Hooptober lists if you need ideas. And we'll post the original uh, Hooptober list that has the the breakdown Cinema Monsters list uh, on our Twitter. Um, but feel free to follow along. We we hope to talk about Hooptober stuff in a future episode. Mm-hmm. We'll um, do our reflections. Again, with these recent screams, the the intention for them is to be kind of free-flowing of, like, what have you been watching? You know, it allows us to engage in conversation without just being stuck at the whims of the roulette. So, Which hates us, as we all know. We'll talk about Hooptober at some point. We don't want to give you a date, but we'll talk about it at some point. Yeah. Because like, like you, I assume, we're watching a ton of horror movies. Just like we're we are embracing the spirit of the season yeah. full on. It's the best. I love October. All right. Anything else? No, that's it. Okay. Go check out some Salem Horror Fest stuff. See if there's anything that interests you. Go see Possessor in 12-hour shift somehow. Watch Freddy vs. Jason somehow. (laughs) Be safe. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.